Philadelphia. This is take two on this episode because the original <laughs> Paisano did not record oh, the first episode. If y'all knew how good we did, man, you guys, we would probably be up to 100,000 followers off the first 10 minutes of that last unrecorded episode of the podcast. A lot of great feedback was put into effect there. Um, you know, the bottom line, phenomenal weekend of football, probably the best I've ever seen. And uh, new season of Ozark is kind of where we were. Yeah, so that's the, so that's where we had it. Yeah, the, the unbelievable weekend of football uh, was the topic we intended to talk about. Dave busted out the Ozark thing, which made me wonder uh, how much Dave loves Ozark. I did not even know he watched that show, but in order to talk about it on the pod, you killed what every episode? Every episode, all I believe there were seven. I watched them all yesterday. Um, a lot of TV, big TV day. Um, it, I think I think it was really good. You know, I'm a big Marty Bird guy. He reminds me a lot of you, actually. Um, you know that. You're, I know you're not a big Jason Bateman guy, but yeah, he reminds me a lot of the great Paisano. Don't say that. Um, so, so, I think so it's because knowing knowing your TV habits, I know I know the shows you watch. Did you crush all seven after or before you crushed the entire new season of Too Hot to Handle on Netflix? <laughs> I'm not a Too Hot to Handle guy. I um, okay. you know you know I'm a big Love Is Blind guy. I love Love Is Blind. Oh, I think Love Is Blind is the elite reality dating dating TV show that's out there right now. People love The Bachelor, Bachelorette. That's all scripted and like every episode and every season is the same thing. What love makes is you blind think really Love Is Blind concept. is not scripted? You think the love is I mean, really blind? I don't know. There's no way. I do think it's blind. Yeah, and I think there's enough drama to make it interesting, and I think it's just a really unique concept. There's actual like real relationships forming. Like wow. there's not 50 people dating one person. You know, there's not like <laughs> that stuff's just not realistic and forms really unhealthy relationships in my so, opinion. So between let me rank your passions then. Sixers, Eagles, Phillies, Love is Blind, Flyers. <laughs> right now? Yes, right now. <laughs> we'll go Eagles, Sixers. Love is blind. Phillies <laughs> fly. Wow. If there's yeah, ever a call out, if there's ever a plea to the front offices of the Phillies and Flyers, it's this. Please get back to being more entertaining than Netflix uh, reality TV. I mean, how mad does baseball have to be about how good this weekend was for the NFL? Like, there is not even close to a better product in the NFL right now. Like, can baseball I, can't even get a, their league together. Can I give you a bizarre hot take about um, the excitement of playoff football in the NFL? What's that? There's part of me that doesn't like, yes, I agree. And that Bills Chiefs game was the craziest football game. I, I think every person watching it knew in the moment, this is the best football game I've ever watched. And then you actually have to think backwards to find a better one. But there's something about how you watched all of these games and every drive is so different. And then at the end, like the end of a football game is very similar game over game, especially in the playoffs where like all of a sudden offenses have two minute drills that work. And then you do this trading of points in the last four minutes of the game. That's so consistent. That's so different from the rest of the game. It makes, it makes it feel more like a game of checkers than anything else. Whereas like, I don't know that it's hard to make sense through words of, of what I'm saying here, but like the end of a football game, the way it just turns into this back and forth points thing that's kind of like non-indicative of the style of play that's taken place to that point makes it to me like 
I could agree with some of the arguments that maybe people out there would ever say where they only like the fourth quarter of a game because the fourth quarter of an NFL game is different than the rest of an NFL game. Uh, yeah, you know, on its surface, it's a really interesting point of view. I think there's probably a lot of ways to look at that. Um, you could say the same thing in a lot of leagues, though, right? And I think the NBA is kind of similar. There's runs, and ultimately the the better team typically wins there. Uh, yeah, and then your boy, the kicker, usually comes up with a big kick or two and takes them home, right? Yeah, yeah, and I guess maybe that's why my take was not as well as two weeks ago. The Eagles haven't been in enough good fourth-quarter games for Jake Elliott to be Jake Elliott. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You have one job. Go, go do it. I don't think there's anything special about any of the kicking performances we saw yesterday. Quite frankly, if the homeboy on the Chiefs did his job earlier in that game, they, we might not have seen greatness there. They were, um, you know, he left four points on the field. But I think more than anything, that big it's one just later. ironic that I had a hot kicker take that was very uh, – that was not received well. And then the weekend, whether or not you, you agree or disagree with the take to this point, the amount of kicker talk that took place this weekend was enough to validate my point. I did think it was hilarious yesterday. I don't know that it validates your point because I do have a question for you here in a second. But um, I did think it was interesting. Romo was gushing about this guy on the Chiefs yesterday. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, come on, man. Like nobody wants to hear about the kicker. And then he proceeds to miss and a field goal and an extra point back to back. But um, you were, you have a hot take on where kickers should be drafted if you knew they were going to be good. Where I just think the, they uh, should be drafted. Not where, but they should. Of the kickers this weekend that performed at a high level, do you know where they were drafted? Uh, I think only the Bengals guy was drafted, maybe? Uh, no, there was another. There was two others that were drafted also, but in the seventh round, which I don't really know that that counts. Um, and the Bengals got the be, Robbie Gold was undrafted, and then um, the Bengals <laughs> guy. The Bengals guy is a fifth round draft choice, and it was controversial at the time. Fun fact to the people out there. I saw a tweet get pulled up, and I can't remember who it was, but they had actively made a tweet that said, "Come on, Bengals," and they posted it themselves and said, "All right, I'm gonna eat this one." Can't remember. You know, I got it. I got to give you a lot of credit, though, because we had an offline conversation about just top five quarterbacks that you would take moving forward. Um, and I, I admittedly, I said it was a hot take at the time, and I was betting on something that wasn't necessarily logical. And I acknowledge that in saying that I would rather have Kyler Murray over the next five years and projecting out what that would be over Josh Allen. And boy, was that a wrong take. I mean, Josh Allen might be the best quarterback in the league right now and moving forward. I mean, his arm is insane. His size is insane. And to me, the craziest thing is he's like Derrick Henry when he starts moving. You can't bring him down. And he's like Matt Stafford with the different angles he throws from. He's got, he's got so many things that just make him so incredibly fun to watch. And it makes you feel so bad. I think the entire country feels the exact same way today about the bills. It's a, it's an agreement. Like they won that game. It's a bummer. Like it's a bummer that the Super Bowl can't be the chiefs and the bills. When I went into that game yesterday, I mean, I was pulling for the Chiefs and I had more so just because I had to pick a team and I like Andy Reid and I'm a fan of Patrick Holmes and Tyreek Hill and just the way they play football. And, you know, there, there's a slight, you know, rivalry with passionate fan bases, I feel like, between us and Buffalo. So that plays into it a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, like by the end of that game, I don't know that there was one person watching it that wasn't like, damn, I feel bad for Josh Allen and I feel bad for the Bills. And what's crazy, and I feel like this isn't getting talked about enough. If they just had a squib kick there at the end, we're not talking about any of this. The Bills figure it out. They win that game unless if there's some Hail Mary or something because 
you know, you squib that ball or you can't get to the 10 and make him run it back or something like that. And that's taken two, three seconds off the clock. And that would have made all the difference in the world in that game. It's interesting. I didn't think of that. I hadn't heard that take. I didn't think of that, but I mean, yeah, I guess the reason you don't even think about that is that has there ever been a 13 second, you know, that that's about as short as it gets. I, I don't know. It's weird because 13 seconds is so little time, but the way that game was going, you also were definitely not going to turn the TV off. So I guess you're right. That's a good point. Well, I mean, and it's, it's crazy. Like I remember I was looking at my fiance in the game. She was like, damn, like this is over. Like what a great game. And I was like, if there's ever a time or there's a game, it's not over. It's this game right now with these two teams. I mean, 13 seconds. You're telling me Patrick Mahomes can't figure out two plays to get him in field goal range. I'm like, yeah, the kicker had a tough day yesterday, but he's like a 90% field goal kicker historically, right? Like he's, he's money. Yeah. So I'm like, there, there's a shot here. Yeah. Um, well, and then, and then there were like three moments before that moment where she said that, where people were saying, okay, it's over. Oh, oh, never mind. Now it's over. Oh, oh, never mind. Now it's over. Like at that point, you're like, okay, if they give the Bills one second on the clock, the Bills are going to win this game. Yeah. Well, like you wanted that game too for Sean McDermott. I mean, that shout out to Andy Reid, man. There's just so many good coaches in the league that just came from that guy. Um, this is, I, I don't know. You know, the fun stat, uh, four straight. AFC championships for him right now. He is also the only coach to do four straight NFC championships, but do do it on both sides. He's the man. I would love to see him get um, another ring. I know that's some people in Philly don't like that. I, you know what? It wasn't his fault. It just wasn't like, there's so, so many scenarios that go into winning. Are you rooting? Chiefs? Yeah, I, I, I am rooting chiefs. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see the Rams go buy a championship. I mean, I do like Odell. Um, I like that storyline. I, I, you know, Stafford's proven me wrong. He's proven a lot of people wrong. I've been really wrong on my takes as playoffs in general. Um, I thought the pack, I thought the Packers would roll uh, right through. That didn't happen, obviously. Um, I still think San Francisco's dead in the water. I think it's so interesting. This will lead into our Eagles point in some regard. It's like there's one team left, in my opinion, that does not have a chance to make the play or to make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, I should say. And they're the only, they're the best roster of the four that are remaining, in my opinion, like most complete roster. And their quarterback just isn't, it, there's levels to this in the NFL, man. And it's like, it's so clear last night. There's certain guys that are at that top level. And then there's such a drop off. And then there's another huge drop off from there. Um, and I don't know that you necessarily need one of those top three, four guys, but you gotta, you gotta be respectable. And I, I do think there's a too big of a drop off for Jimmy Garoppolo to, to figure it out this year. So, so that, that takes me to a point and I, you know, I don't, I, if we want to remain on schedule, tell me that we can make this quick, but it goes to the point now of like, when we talked about the Eagles loss to the Bucks, you and I talked about uh, offline about how we might fear that the results of one game might change entirely the perspective of how we handle the draft. Now I'm starting to worry about the games we're watching now change. And maybe worry is not the word, but does last week also go on to change it? Because people are saying, okay, there is a tier of quarterback that exists that we don't have. And these are the people winning games. Obviously you think one of those quarterbacks is not in that tier that's still involved right now, but does that change our draft perspective? Does watching last week, this past weekend's games, further change the fact that we might need to go up and get a quarterback? Well, I, th I think the, what's interesting about that question is you have to look at what Jalen Hurts' ability to become something is. Like, where, 
what's his ceiling? Like, what can he develop into? Because quite frankly, I think you notice this at the end of the year and when he played good teams this year, he's not even at Jimmy Garoppolo's level. So if we're talking, there's levels to this thing. Like he is, he's not there yet. Now he's an elite runner in this league. I mean, there's no question he's got that. That's a unique skill set. But what can he become as a, a thrower of the football? Quite frankly, yesterday did change my mind and change my opinion because I, the way, I've seen enough of him this year, and I am a big Jalen Hurts fan in terms of it's hard not to like the guy. Like he's 23 years old, and you're seeing, you know, the guy, you know, I hate this dude, the Georgia quarterback. Um, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Bennett. It will never have to say his name again, probably. Like, I hate that guy. Um, no, he's just, he's just, a, he, I don't, there's nothing to like about him. He's immature. Every time he opens his mouth, he's talking about himself. Like, he could have the coolest story ever, and he just ruined it for me. But anyway, that's beside the point. You look at, he's the same age. He's the same age as Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts gets up there, cool, calm, collected, poised, no matter what situation he's in no matter what's said about him. Yeah, but this guy's not an NFL quarterback, so you can't necessarily compare. That's just comparing a champion on a level below what a champion on the level above is. So you can't say Bennett has a better chance of winning a Super Bowl. I understand what you're saying, but, you know. I'm uh, just – I'm commenting on his character. I'm just saying the kid's a 23-year-old kid, and you'd think he's 40-something years old. He's almost got too much poise. He's almost, like, boring. Yeah, it's kind of annoying, actually. Like, it's hard – it's hard not to like the kid. And like you watch him play, you know how much he wants to win. Like he's progressed at every level that he's been at. I just, I cannot even fathom. Dude, next year you're going to have a playoff, a tournament in the AFC where you have um, Justin Herbert, you have Josh Allen, you have Patrick Mahomes, in all likelihood, you have Lamar Jackson. You know, you, you, Aaron Rodgers finds a way to Denver and he's in that mix. I mean, how fun is that group? Jalen Hurts, I'm hearing. Either way, he's in the AFC. Um, I have a hot Aaron Rodgers question to ask you here in a question uh, second. But, you know, my point is Jalen Hurts doesn't even belong there. You know, like the NFC is a little bit different, but he's not even close to that tier of quarterback. And I don't know that I'm ready to make a definitive statement, but yesterday did change my mind because, you know, you get you get in those situations, you get in that game, you're playing the Rams, you're, he's not bringing you back. He's not good enough to do that. And quite frankly, I don't know that he's ever going to be. No. I mean, have we had any kind of comeback win at all this past year off the top? No, and people – and I've been the first person to be like, look, it's his first four years as a starter, but, like, he has 23 games under his belt. Like, it's not – this isn't some, you know, brand new – played 23 starts. Well, and my whole thing, dude, has been I agree. Like, give the man time to improve because he's not bad enough where you don't want to give him that time. But the time to improve is from week one to week 17. And the things he needed right. to improve on, he didn't do. So this magical perception of, like, hey, the offseason will create this player next year that we have not seen yet. Well, his time to show things was – through 16 starts, 17 starts in the regular season, 16, because Minshew had the one. But that's where I, I am less optimistic about him because we gave him a full season and there was not a great deal of improvement in the things that mattered from week one to, to the final week. No, and I mean, like, look, you, you see when he plays a good defense, uh, you know, I mean, and I understand you can only play who's on your schedule, but you're playing, I love you listen to guys like Mike Miss out here talking about a. Uh, Jake from State Farm, he's playing out here on Sundays against the Giants. And, you know, 
Gary, I forget what he even calls the guy. I mean, it's hilarious because these guys are known. Brown one week, which was crazy. I mean, like we go out here and we're playing these teams, and he's getting these wins, and he's figuring it out. Like, yeah, he shows a little bit, but he doesn't have NFL vision. He doesn't have the zip on the on the ball for the NFL. I mean, he'll make a play here or there, but it's not nearly consistent enough. And you see it in the Bucks. I mean, they force him left all game, and he's got no answer for him. Literally nothing. A little wind, he's got nothing. It's very interesting out of you, Dave, because I don't know many people more pro Jalen Hurts throughout the entire season, ups and downs, than you. And it seems yeah, like, I love, it's like the first I love, week he didn't play was the was the week that actually changed things for you. But you know what? You know my biggest fear when it comes to professional sports is that weird purgatory. And I think what I love about our division and what I love about our conference in a lot of ways is you look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys love to be average. Like, would a team like the Cowboys should – I mean, you know this. I say this when it comes to the Sixers. Some people are like, wow, your takes are really hot when it comes to this. But, like, I am so I, – I am a big believer in making a move too early in an attempt to be great or making a move in the case – and we'll talk about Ben Simmons again in a little bit. But, like, I'd rather wait for the right move than get stuck in this weird purgatory. And to me, if your quarterback isn't good enough – and I'm not saying he has to be the best. I mean, look, we want a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, but he's got to be good enough. And if he's I'll not tell you good what, enough, Foles, the rest of your team just has to be that stellar. So you can't just build off the fact that he's semi good unless you've got that defense that is number one, and unless you got those receivers that make a quarterback look good, like which we don't have and we we won't be able to have for a long time. So unless you have that team, then then it's it's a moot point. But you know what's even crazy is the Bills had that number one defense. And they had arguably the better quarterback. They played a flawless game yesterday, and they still couldn't win. Yeah. Like, so like, that's what this league is becoming, and that's what it's turning into. And the quality of play that we're going to see, I think, out of this next – we all thought who can replace Brady, Manning, you know, Rodgers, Roethlisberger. I'll tell you what, these, this next group has a chance to – to be just as special with a little bit more talent. I mean, we know athleticism evolves over time, right? Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see. It really is. Yeah, and I, I, it's, it, it is so interesting because playoffs is when all eyes are on it. Everybody's watching. So you and I will have a lot of takes. And I think, you know, I don't discredit your Kyler Murray take as much. And I, I'm not going to give you shit for coming back and, and realizing Josh Allen is because you and I aren't sitting there watching Cardinals and Bills games every weekend. I mean, we're watching football when it's on TV every weekend and we're watching red zone when it's on, but this is the chance where we actually get to see it. And the thing that you also realize when you actually watch playoff football games is you realize how critical defense is. All of these teams still involved right now have great defenses that are playing right now. And I, you know, that's the other thing why I don't necessarily want the six, the Eagles to react crazy and move up so much for a quarterback because the holes on defense don't really benefit us. So here's, here's one more question and then we can pivot and talk to the Eagles. I'm curious your take on this overtime uh, rule that's in the NFL. I've been against it for a while that you've seen a lot of guys out there like Peter King on Twitter and basically saying like, you know, the defense gets paid too. like, it's not just a coin flip. If Buffalo got one stop, like my, my argument on it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with Josh Allen never got to see the field again because of how good, like that, that's not my take on it. Curious what yours is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, can't sit here and say I know enough to be able to have 
the theory for what the uh, overtime format should be. But, but there were a lot of memes out today that said out of how crazy that game was, the biggest play of the entire game was the coin flip. And honestly, there's a lot of validity to that. So uh, something needs to change. I think a lot of people are saying this is the game that will make things change. I think this in conjunction with the fact that if the Chargers and the Raiders would have just tied, which is another rule that exists, not in the playoffs, but just in overtime in general, I think, I, I think this is the next rule to change. I should expect that, and it should. Yeah. See, I, I agree. I think it should. I also am – I'm okay only changes for the playoffs. Like, I think it's okay if you want to keep regular season rules the same. I think playoff rules are a little bit – there's just more on the line. And when there's two teams that play that quality of football, you know, everybody's saying, well, the defense gets paid too. Great. Well, what happens if you have a super defensive team? It, it, my point is it doesn't matter how you get there. You played a quality enough game to where you've tied after the end of regulation. Both teams deserve two full possessions of some sort. What's crazy how you do it? Even, even just it was only a couple of years ago when all you had to do was make the field goal and the game was yeah. over. And look, this is so much be better improved. than that. Yeah. This is so much better than that. I mean, you know, there's also validity to the fact that if Buffalo makes one stop on defense, they can win the game. Like, you know, but everybody's like Buffalo got hosed. I mean, they had they were up with 13 seconds left. Like your coach makes the right call. You don't make, you don't play prevent defense. You make one play, like you win the game. Go, go yeah. do that. Stop crying about it. Yeah. But at the same time, the rule, you know. Well, that game just turned into, that just, that game just turned into two of the most impressive offensive we could see on the field going head to head. And it ended in a way where we didn't get the satisfaction of watching the best offense win because the other one didn't get a chance. So there should have been a way to put them in a position where one of those offenses had to prove they were not as good to win the game as the other. And the Bills didn't get that chance because the last five minutes of regulation were just, it, it was so highly entertaining that it just felt wrong for it to be because one didn't get the chance. Now, honestly, my, my genuine opinion is no one was going to stop the Chiefs who went down. And I still think the Chiefs would have won that game through overtime when they won that coin flip because I just trust the Chiefs and their offense and their coaching and the skill set they have to keep going and getting seven points on you back to back to back more than I trust the Bills. But that's just a theory. There's no there's no fact. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, I don't even know how to – I mean, like I tend to agree with you just for the sheer fact that like Josh Allen had to do so much so, I mean, every single play is him literally carrying defenders for five yards or making – I mean, and this guy Davis had a like, game of his life. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was really just so much – it was just so much on Josh Allen. Like, Mahomes can at least get it to Tyreek Hill, let him make a play. Like, at some point, Allen was going to wear down, in my opinion. But at the same time, like, he just had ice in his veins. Like, you don't know. It, it was such an awesome game. Um, it was just such an awesome game. And yeah. it makes you think, like, where did, where did the Eagles go from here? I mean, you have – you have an offseason that if, you're, if your take on Jalen Hurts and your opinion on Jalen Hurts is he's never going to be good enough, like his potential ceiling is not there. If you don't get a veteran this offseason or if you don't draft the guy, you're wasting two years. You're admittedly wasting two years of, of football, similar to what the Sixers are talking about doing. Right. So is that, is that the acceptable move? Is there an in-between? Where do you go? If you were asking me, that is the acceptable move, because I think the if you if we're going to compare Eagles and Sixers, the Sixers 
wasting seasons is a much bigger deal than the Eagles right now because the Sixers with the with with the component of Joel Embiid means that the window to win it all is very specified, which we don't have right now. So I think that the Eagles are more in a position to build long-term and sacrifice a season where a sacrifice season doesn't mean as much than the Sixers are. And that doesn't make me want to make a trade for the Sixers this year, but I'm just saying I'm okay drafting defense, defense, defense with three first round picks next year, still knowing that next year is not the year and we can get a quarterback the following year. I don't like going for a quarterback on, off the notion that every year we, we get less and less likely because that's where I think we get to the point of purgatory, like you said, where we trade up these picks to go get a quarterback where the whole roster is not complete enough, even with a good quarterback. So what if, what if you do this? Because you have some cap space. And I've been thinking a lot about this. And I think this is my preference. Because my issue with that is almost the same with the Sixers, where if you wait to trade Ben in the offseason, there's no guarantee of what you get back. We'll talk more about that. For sure. If you wait, if you wait in two years to get your quarterback, there's no guarantee of what you're getting back. And the problem is your roster is not so you're already you're already not picking top 10. So now are you the Colts to where your roster's great, your roster looks like it's ready to win, but your quarterback sucks and you just you can't get over that hump? That's that's the definition of purgatory. No, are you the Browns? Disagree. Same thing. Disagree, because purgatory is, is a situation you're in that is very difficult to get out of. If the one piece that puts you in purgatory is the quarterback, that's one move that needs to be made. The Colts right now just need to go make one move. And to your point, oh, they're going to be a great team. If we go. But the Colts can't great... make that move. Why not? That's the problem. Because they don't, have the, they don't have the draft capital go to make the move. They don't have a first round pick this year. So even if you were to tell me, all right, the Colts need Russell Wilson, go find a way to make it happen. How do you go get Russell Wilson on this team? You have to get rid. You made a move. Your move was Carson Wentz. That was your one swing to try to make that thing work. It didn't work out. So now, how, if you want to even get a Russell Wilson, right, they have to find a way to get rid of Carson Wentz, and they have to try to find a way to get Russell Wilson. Well, how do you give Seattle more than another team for Russell Wilson when you don't even have a first-round pick? You so, don't have one. So your alternative is is go get a Russell Wilson or a good quarterback, and then you can figure out all the rest where you have holes on the defensive line, you have holes in the linebacking core, you have holes in the secondary, you have holes on wide receiver, and you might have two years from now holes on the offensive line, which is the secure part of your team right now. You think it's easier to fill all of that after the fact so long as you have a quarterback. Well, the correct the correct way – I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the correct way to build a team, look at what the uh, the Chargers are doing. Nobody looks at the Chargers' future as bleak because they have holes everywhere and they have Herbert. Everybody looks at the Chargers. But what's your you know, expectation they, of when the Chargers should win? Because by what you're saying, it's a failure if the Chargers technically lost this year. So you're not looking it at it as a positive as a Chargers fan, if you were. Yeah, but I saw enough from I saw enough from Herbert to where it is a positive because if you go make the right move this offseason, which you're still going to have enough cap space to do that. You can come back next year. Like, that is the correct way to build a team. Like, think 2017 Eagles. How he's able to go get all those free agents because Wentz is on a cheap enough deal and he's playing at a high enough level to where you can go get those guys because you can afford them. Like, that's the proper way to do this thing. The other way to do this is to go buck style. And what I'm trying to say is, what if I told you, you give up two first-round picks this year, which, by the way, that would be the equivalent of Carson Wentz and drafting Devontae Smith over Jalen Waddell. 
and one future first round pick. So in my opinion, basically Carson Wentz and a future first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. And you have enough cap space to go get Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers, which I'm of the belief that they will go to the same team. And yeah, all of a sudden your offense, all of a sudden your offense is has the best wide receiver pair in the league. You have a top five tight end. You have a top five O line. You have a top tier rushing attack. And then you go fill your holes on defense. Yeah, you still have a first round pick from the defense. notion. That's off the notion that you have a, a Miami Heat, LeBron James, Chris Bosh offseason. Like you're able to. It's one trade. It's one trade and a free agent. And we have the most ammo to go do it. So the, the rumors I've heard is the reason that Miami fired Flores, which every Miami fan in the world thinks is the dumbest thing that happened, is because they want to go first get uh, the O coordinator from the Packers, which they then think will bring Rodgers and Devontae Adams to Miami. That was during the ultimate tank job, the ultimate, like, we're putting it all on red by doing this entire sequence of moves. But Miami's a loser franchise. They've been a loser franchise for years. To me, Aaron Rodgers looks at a situation and he looks at a spot in Philadelphia that has stability, that football means something. Would that mean something to Aaron Rodgers? He still has the ability. Do you tell me if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that's the best offense in the league next year if that happens. And I understand the whole Miami Heat pie in the sky thing, but you also have the ammo and the draft capital to do it. To me, the downside is your window is now two years at best, but it's two years with the best offense in football should be. So it's exactly what I mean, Brady did. But the, yeah, but and I would do Brock, that. But the difference is, well, there's a couple differences there. A, when you get to that point in your career and it's late, you want some luxury in life. So going to Florida doesn't hurt above going to like a Pittsburgh. B, you have to go to a franchise we're not only just bringing your best friend who's sick and turns you into a great offense, makes you good, but you have to go to a franchise that's built within your small window of, of be playing at a high level to win. So the defense has to be there. So, yeah, but what I'm saying is you can still address the defense. Look, do you disagree with anything you said about the offense? Is there any better pair than Devontae Smith, Devontae Adams on the outside? Is there a better wide receiver and combo in football? Uh, no. And, uh, okay. uh, no. No. So that, that would be number one. You have an offensive line, even if Kelsey retires, which I would bet you if Rodgers came here and there's nothing saying that he's going to do that, they're a top five offensive line in football. Correct? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. They have Dallas Goddard, who is a top five tight end in football. He proved that this year. Yep. Okay. You have a rushing attack that this year was number one. They don't necessarily have a number one running back. We'll say that. Uh, I believe in Miles. I'm a Miles fan, so I give you that that part of the offense is stable as well. We'll say top 10, okay? And then you have a top three quarterback right now, not going forward, but right now in the league to quarterback that that offense. That That's not the best offense in football. And you, still have, and you still have a first-round pick to go get the linebacker from Georgia. You still have your second-round pick to go get – you know, another defensive player. You still have marginal moves that you can go get in free agency to sign somebody. So, yes, will your defense be number one? No, but you're going to have the number one but offense. That's, but that's different from how this conversation started. I can, I'm fully on board with what you're saying here, where I'm not fully on board. I, I think you and I started off by saying, is Jalen Hurts the guy next year or not? My answer is no if we use our picks to move up and get another quarterback. My answer immediately becomes yes if we use those picks to go get a, a, a quarterback proven like an Aaron Rodgers, and then we can do all of those things. 
So it's a little bit of a different discussion, yeah. but I don't think we build our team for the better by going and getting Kenny Pickett. I think that depends how you evaluate Kenny Pickett. I mean, I look, I agree it, on its face. I don't know that off the bat I, that Kenny Pickett or any quarterback in this draft is going to be worth it. And I, honestly, frankly, I was very against the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson thing because of what we're talking about. The Eagles weren't ready to win. But then I thought about it. and I'm like, we have enough cap space for my math, and I haven't done all of the math yet. Um, so, you know, if somebody out there is a cap guru and wants to completely shut this down, but I know they have enough flexibility that if they want Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, they can make it happen. I also just the thing I, is, I also they, just think it's optimistic, optimistic thinking in the sense that guys like Aaron Rodgers and the teams that have wanted to go for him, you know, the thought process in Aaron Rodgers' brain and the teams that want to go for him have been in motion for that in a while. That is a very far-fetched and outlandish and, and ambitious move by a Howie Roseman, whereas there are other teams for weeks and months that have actually been planning this move. So it would be pretty great for something like that to happen. But those teams do not have the capital or the assets to go get him. And it's not like you're talking about Philadelphia is a second-rate football city. Philadelphia is a top tier. Nobody's won more. I mean, there's been, what, three – three cities in America that have more playoff experiences since the owner got here. Okay. But based off the way Aaron Rodgers lives his life, who do you think he relates to more the people of Pennsylvania and New Jersey or the people of Southern Florida? I think Aaron Rodgers appreciates playing in high performance environments. I can tell I, you that I, the volume of people vaccinated in Pennsylvania are much higher. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go you want to go political views I'm no sure. no not political. i'm just talking where where the guy feels at home that's it that's, that's all i'm saying i mean look I, i'm not saying he's you know he's kind of this whole jordan love thing made him nuts i mean it's he went off his rocker and this new relationship he's got going on is a little crazy too i'm just saying my tune has changed when you think about the fact that if you make two moves that quite frankly nobody in the league is better positioned to make if you want to do it my biggest fear with it is he's in the NFC and will the Packers let him go in the NFC? That's, you know. So is he still on contract? He's not a free agent? I believe he has one year left. If I, I think he has more leverage than them. I don't, I think, I think the Packers are not going to, I think he's proven to be a bigger asset than uh, Matt LaFleur. I, like, I don't know. I just think at this well, point, my- I think at this point he's going to get what he wants. No but, but again, I go back to like, think about what you're actually giving up. You're giving up Carson Wentz because that's what the one first round pick is. You're giving up, you, you're basically saying we drafted Devontae Smith as a concession and you're giving up one additional first round pick and you're getting Aaron Rodgers and then you sign Devontae Adams. If you can't get the Devontae Adams piece or an Allen Robinson or piece like that in free agency, then I don't do it. But I am of the mindset that no matter where Aaron Rodgers goes, Adams is going with him. And I just find it hard pressed. If he goes to Pittsburgh, he does not have the number one offense. Both of them you go think to Pittsburgh. That, They're not the Why do you offense. think the two will go together? Because Aaron Rodgers is a guy who basically gave the middle finger to his whole team. So what makes you think a guy who has been pretty loyal to that team would say under the table without ever being controversial at all would just go with him? Because if I'm if I'm I mean he's a free I would guess that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a friend on that roster. Aaron Rodgers, he does. They're boys. He, Aaron Rodgers straight up said he's the best wide receiver in the league the other day. Like, they they always have had a healthy respect for each other. And the thing is, it's not like it's some big thing for Devontae Adams to leave. Devontae Adams is a free agent. So if he can go get paid somewhere that's not Green Bay, Wisconsin, and play with a better quarterback than what he's going to play with next year, I mean, the Packers are about to go into a full-on rebuild. That's just the reality of this thing. 
Like they don't, and they don't take care of their free agents anyway. So, you know, and now could he go somewhere else and say, yeah, I want to go play with Justin Herbert. I mean, sure. He could do something like that. I'm just of the mindset of, you have a special, you have a special connection with one of the best quarterbacks ever. He goes somewhere like Denver. He goes somewhere like Pittsburgh. He goes somewhere like Philadelphia. What better scenario? I mean, there's, good wide receivers opposite of you at any of those spots. There's good coaching staffs in place and good organizations at any of those spots. Go get yourself a championship or go try. Just keep that window open for yourself. So, so let me wrap this up with you, this conversation, because uh, in theory, everything you're saying, it sounds awesome. I think, I think it's a little more far-fetched of a possible, a possible situation than, than you're making it out to be, but that's okay. Either way, we would both be happy with it. What I want to ask to wrap this whole thing up is you, 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 you clearly can map out the future of our team with a better quarterback, that quarterback being Aaron Rodgers. Does that mean what, – what, what does that do for you if Aaron Rodgers signs next week to the Steelers? What does that do for you for the draft? Do you want to move up and get a quarterback? I don't know enough about these quarterbacks to say yes or no. I mean, on its face, I've watched a little bit. I I listen all day to these Philly things, and they're like, well, you got to take a gamble on someone you don't know. We know know just as much about how much better Jalen Hurts can be next year as we do about how good Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis can be in general, if not more. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I do not – this whole thing originated from my – standpoint of I do not want to move up and get a quarterback I am adamant about that is the worst thing we could do as a team I'm inclined to wait um if you wait though I want at least one of our first round picks this year to transfer over to next year I don't want to go into next year with one because I think you're underestimating even in the Aaron Rodgers thing draft capital and how valuable that can be because when you have multiple first round picks in one year there's so few things you can do like, or for a few things you can't do. Um, if somebody wanted to go get Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson, like, yeah, you, I mean, the only thing that would stop them from coming here if we want them is their desire to come here. Yeah. And I think the situation is a lot more attractive, especially if you pair them with another great wide receiver than we think. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it just is, frankly. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to go back to what your question is, no, I don't think you draft a quarterback this year. But that's where I think it's just dangerous because now you're playing this game to where if you don't hit on the guy in two years, which even when you do that, he's a rookie, so you're waiting an additional year for him to figure it out even a little bit to try to win something. Mm-hmm. Now you just set your franchise back another two to four years because now Devontae Smith is entering second contract territory and, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a scary domino effect there. I will say, I don't think Howie Roseman or Jeffrey Lurie will let it get to that point. I think they, I think they want to make a splash. And I think they watched last night's game. And I think for right or wrong, there's no way those guys aren't sitting there like, let's call Deshaun Watson's agent tomorrow and see what's up. Like that. I just, you know what the worst part yeah. to think about is too, it's just like, hey, this is just how things would work out for us. You look at the first like eight weeks of the season and the performance of the Colts and Dolphins and the performance of us, we went from like being very likely to have three top 10 picks to like three semi out of the lottery picks in the draft, which is a huge difference. 
Like, yes, we still have three yeah. picks, but there was a time a few weeks ago where it was like, yo, we're about to have like four, six, and 10. Yeah, but we have three first round picks. And like, look how bad Carson Wentz is. And you got a first round pick for him. You got a first round pick because you decided to take Devontae Smith. <laughs> like, those moves are genius by Howie. Like, and that, that's where I go back to even the respect thing. And the fact that we have three first-round picks is a very unique opportunity. And I'm with any Philadelphia fan that says they don't necessarily fully trust Howie to make the right move with those three picks. But if we do the right thing with these three picks, however way you slice it, they will be fine. So then do they will this. be fine. Before we move on to Sixers, give every uh, Eagles fan listening to this pod confidence that they need to believe in Howie. Give them, give them a little spiel about why they should be confident in Howie to uh, dominate this offseason. I think Howie is a guy that has proven to be a shrewd um, negotiator when it comes to trades. I think when you look at his history, history when it comes to trades in general, he hits way more than he misses. So that, that's first and foremost, and I think they'll be very active in that market. Same thing with free agents. Um, Howie has a great history of, of picking up free agents from that perspective. Go back and look at his track record. When you look also at his ability to clean up messes, Howie, when he took over for Chip Kelly the second time, he came in here, studied kind of what went wrong, made all of the right moves, literally all of the right moves to win a Super Bowl, and it happened. Then he kind of, you know, made a few mistakes along the way. He's not a great drafter. Uh, I think he's a better drafter in some ways than people give him credit for even, but he's not a great drafter. And I think now he's looked at a few of the mistakes that are there, some things even that we blame him for, like the Carson Wentz situation. I mean, dude, it's pretty clear that this, this guy just fell off the rails. And, I, and the more and more time goes by, I'm not so you know, sure he didn't see that coming, and that's partially why he drafted Jalen Hurts. Because mind you, Jalen Hurts has played more playoff football than Carson Wentz has. So I think when you look at it, you look at a guy who has the backing of an owner who wants to win. They have a successful track record. You have a good head coach in place um, by all accounts from what we've seen. Looks like the defensive coordinator might even be gone. His strengths will be on display this offseason. And I don't, he's not afraid to go make a move that's a big move that he thinks can swing the needle of the team. And they're poised to do that. I don't, I don't think he's a guy that's going to sit back and take three defensive players. So if Eagles fans want that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet that if I was a Philadelphia fan today. But I have confidence that they're going to make the right move. If they have to sit there and draft them, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a less confident. What's your percentage chance that he trades one or more of the first round picks? I don't, I think. I think the most we'll take in the first round is going to be two guys. Okay. So you're putting it at like 99% chance we trade one or more of the first. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any way. She, I think it would be completely unheard of for the way Howie Roseman operates that we that's a lot of, take that's a lot of to pay and work with too on a first round standpoint. It's kind of unheard it's, of. I, I think it's just when you, if they, if they knew who their quarterback was, I think it'd be different. Yeah. But you know, I think, they don't, and I think because of that, you're either trading to go get a quarterback one way, shape, or form, whether it's in the draft or whether it's one of these guys we're talking about, or you're hedging your bet, and there's no way they're sitting there thinking Jalen Hurts is their guy. Like, I'm sorry. They, they, there's just zero way yeah. they, you know, they've been too successful as a franchise to think that. Do you think Jalen Hurts is sitting there going, I see this, I know what it takes to be the guy, I'm going to go be the guy, or do you think he's going, I ain't that guy? <laughs> I think Jalen Hurts sits there with full confidence in himself and says, I am the guy. And I think that's what I love about Jalen Hurts. Like, I think he has every bit the mental makeup of both of those quarterbacks yesterday. I think he just isn't – he's just not physically there. And, it, you know, it's a shame because the mental part of it's so big. I mean, 
Look, Josh Allen is every bit of what we wanted Carson Wentz to be. <laughs> He's literally what Carson Wentz was in 2017, but better. Yeah. You know? Josh Allen's He's got him a little bit of a mental makeup. I love any moment where I get to hear you say you were right, I was wrong. Doesn't happen enough, especially in the football world, but I got you on this one. Yeah, Josh Allen is um, you know, and I didn't hate him. It's not like I said he sucked. I just I said I would take Kyler yeah. Murray and I, I was dead man. wrong. Josh Allen is the He's man. He's the man. I want I, I honestly so mad. that's part of like what makes me like semi like Hope it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, God, I hope he wins one, but then it's conflicting because it's like, well, that means I'm hoping we don't win one one of these years, but I hope he wins one. I, I hope he wins one. I 100% and I hope, hope he wins it. I, I honestly don't think you could say that he's not better than Patrick Mahomes right now, or at least on that I, level. Yeah, it was Debbie, but you got, I mean, uh, I think because, I don't know, it's, it's weird. If the Chiefs had lost, we might be talking more about how well they, they played, like, I, I Patrick Mahomes could go make a statement right now by just winning these next two games, like, and making oh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the man. Like, do not get me wrong. Like that, that statement I just made was not, not in the league. Like, it, it was way more about Josh Allen. I mean, man, every single play they put in that kid's hands and they basically said, go do the right thing with the football. And he stepped up play after play, after play, after play, throw after throw. And, you know, on the road in Arrowhead with that, like, and his best player didn't really show up last night. Yeah. Stefan Diggs was kind of irrelevant. Dude, Gabriel Davis. You know, all I can think of what I think that is, they have these bets to for, uh, you can bet on a player to score two touchdowns a game. That's like a standard bet. Obviously, can you make it, you can make any bet you want, but I'm thinking when I'm watching that, I'm like, if there's a human in the world that bet for Gabriel Davis to win, to score four touchdowns, if they put a $50 bet down, like, they're good. They're chilling. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Cool. I mean, he had the game of his life. Um, game of his life. So let me, let me ask you a question. When you hear these numbers, 38 and 12, 40 and 13, 50 and 12. What do you, what's the first thought? What's the first thought that pops in your head about that player? That's the fucking process, man. The process. How – how the hell is he not the Eastern Conference Player of the Week? Who was? Trey Young. Oh, my God. You want to know something funny? I, I live in Atlanta. I went to the Hawks-Knicks uh, game on Saturday. I went to the Hawks-Heat game on Friday. So, literally, in this week, I've been to two Trey Young games. He's been unimpressive. Fuck Trey Young. I mean, he's been unimpressive. <laughs> That's so stupid. I, I, that's so stupid. You say that out loud, you're preaching to the choir. That makes no sense to me. That's so stupid. I just don't – I don't understand it. I really don't get it. I mean, I don't have words for it, quite frankly. I, I just – I really don't have words for it. I mean, I guess they well, – I, I guarantee – I guarantee Joel's going to – I mean, he got player of the month last month, but I can promise you he will this month as well. I mean, you what, know, what did he last night? night? Joel, he had 30, 38 last night. I just said it. I forget what it was, 38, 36, something like that. He, he scores 32 points, and it's an off night. It's like we shouldn't even mention it in the yeah. – uh, it's unimpressive in the – like he's he's on another level right now. Yeah. Well, and there used and to be the debate that's quantified. There used to be the debate that – and, and maybe it still exists sometimes brought up time to time is quantify is like, hey, if, if a team lost a player, what does that do to a team? Like if Milwaukee lost Giannis – how much worse do they get? There's not a team in the in the league that gets worse if we lose Joel. 
Ben I mean, he's the MVP. It's not even close. It's not even close, dude. It's not even I close. swear, I swear, I think they're playing him every game because they, if nothing else, it's a retention tool for them. They want him to win that, and they want this city to celebrate him getting MVP because we need him. And even though he loves it in Philly, he'll only stay as long as he wants. And if he sits out twelve games, he'll have nothing record-wise to show for it. He is so like I, he has played what 14, 15 straight. He, they're going to keep playing him because they know he's going to go win that award for himself, and that's a retention tool. We need him. I mean, Paisan, what's my knock on? It's not even knock on Joel Embiid, but what's my knock on the construction of this team? That we build around a center and centers aren't good enough to be yeah. player on a team. He, 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 he's, he's doing this as a center. Oh, my God. You want to change that too now? Let's go. No, it's just, you know how much harder it is to score 40, 50 points as a center in this league in 2022? Yeah, because he's – Trey a- Young drops 30. Like, it's not like he's out here just draining threes. No. No. I've been trying. God, to how is he not the player of the week? Yeah, well, because because the NBA doesn't want to just spoil him all day, I guess. Also, I'm sure there's politics involved in it because they're trying to get Trey Young a starting bid in the All Star game. There's a bunch of bullshit that goes along in, in these types of awards. So the awards to a smart player, and Joel is a smart player who will tell you he doesn't care about awards. These awards mean nothing. They mean nothing. There's one award that means anything to anybody, and it means the most to great players. So the more Joel backtracks on a player of the month or player of the week, the more it proves that he is the guy that we need to build around forever. Because not a lot of players get that. You heard the Daryl Morey interview, yes? Oh, for sure. The on on uh, Mike Missinelli, it was perfect. On Mike Miss, everything we yeah. need. He it was it was exactly what Sixers fans needed to hear in the way that they needed to hear it. I love that guy. I really do. He knows he can't mess this up. He said something, though, that was very uh, well, the, the hilarious thing he said. He was like, would he like to trade him? Yeah. He's like, dude, that's all I do every day. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> and I try to trade Ben. Like, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I, but so he said something I thought was very – the most interesting part of that was because of how good Joel is playing, he might consider a lesser player for Ben. I've been very staunch about this. You've gone back and forth because I think your hatred of Ben kind of takes over at times. But in your heart of hearts, I think you're I think I think your lack of hatred towards Ben makes you less of a Sixers fan than you should be. I'm just putting that. Uh, dude, I'm so out on Ben, but like also I'm a Sixers fan. I'm not a you Ben. You should fan. Not, no, but it's not about just being out on him. You should you should hate him more than anything in the world. Okay, if so let me really ask were a Sixers fan, you would understand how terrible of a human he is. I, well, I do, but here's my question to you is, would you rather the Sixers win a championship this year or next year, or would you rather Ben Simmons never play a game in the NBA again and become irrelevant? Sixers championship. Okay, so that's all I'm saying. And because of that, I care more about what we get back than sending him to Detroit for Jeremy Grant. I, same, like, same. I've never been one of those, let's just get him out of here. Yeah. No, I like yeah, that so, sitting at home. I want him to sit at home. I hate that we're paying him. I think he's stealing money from us, and I think it adds to the amount of hate that I have for him. But we're not disagreeing here. Well, no, and that's what I mean. I think sometimes, look, I I do hate Ben. I just personally, I think he wins the more we talk about him. Like I'm done talking about him. He's he ruined our franchise when he was on the court because he couldn't take a layup and people don't remember that enough. And you know what the most annoying thing about living in a city that's not Philadelphia is, is talking to non-Philadelphia fans about their outside perspective of Ben Simmons and the amount of blame they put on the city and how much they feel bad for him. I want to punch these people in the face. 
He ruined. <laughs> yeah, people, forget, people forget how much he ruined our team when he was playing. People also don't even realize, and they refuse to acknowledge how much garbage goes on in other cities. I mean, look at Dallas. You have the Cowboys fans are throwing stuff at their own players, at the refs, at all this and that. And Dak Prescott comes out after the game and says, good for them. Yeah. Like, what? How is that, how is that even remotely close to being acceptable? But you, that know, number one, uh, you know what the number one key word is to show, uh, to lose respect for a sports fan ever is? is uh, when someone says you guys threw snowballs at Santa Claus, that's somebody I will immediately just stop talking to. Yeah. Or, or the whole jail under the stadium. I'm like, yo, bro, uh, yeah. you know, like 80% no, of stadiums have a freaking jail underneath it. Like, what are you who have about? a perception of Philly fans and their go-to examples are snowballs at Santa and the jail at the vet. They, these are people that have lost all credibility yeah. forever in my mind. You got a fan. You got a fan at the Chiefs game last night running across the field. As he gets tackled by Stephon Diggs. When's the last time that happened at the Eagles game? What if Stephon Diggs tore his ACL tackling that fan? I mean, you had the situation that happened in San Francisco a couple of years ago. Somebody died. They stabbed them, and what? Because some kid stands in front of a Karen from Minnesota and says, "Go Birds!" They get this horrible reputation. Like, yeah. come on. Sorry. Sorry we like our team and we hold them accountable, but whatever. It's Yeah, it's sorry she stood on our Rocky steps and at the Art Museum and acted like a little... Uh, Ooh. Go yeah, back to ooh. Minnesota. Go back to Minnesota and let it snow. Snow on your head. I hope it leaks through your roof. Oh my gosh, Dave. Be cool. Yeah, it was, per- it was personal. Yeah, personal. Cool. So, uh, end of the day, Maury is the man. We look like we're not going to trade Ben this year. So that looks like this season will be a wash this year. Um, There is no debate across the board. If Ben was playing, the season would be more interesting. The fact that Ben's not playing, it means if we made a trade, it would give us a better chance this season. Sure. You think Ben comes back after the deadline? Sorry? You think there's a chance Ben comes back after the deadline once he realizes, like, I'm not getting moved? No. No. And I think if there's one takeaway from the Mori trade, which is the Reed Bellines read between the lines takeaway it's he hates ben simmons like with a passion he can't stand so him. he's trying to you be know what my read he hates this man you want to know my you want to know my read between the lines yeah because he basically said when he was talking about um you either meet his demands or you try to trade him mm-hmm. what, what i took that as is ben came back to the sixers and said you either have to get rid of joe or doc and if you don't get rid of joe or doc i'm out yeah and I, I, think, I wouldn't either. I mean, I think at this point, I'm not getting rid of Doc because of Joe or because of Ben. But, you know, I think the I think that you get rid of man. Doc is if Joe said I won't play. Like, I don't know Joe's stance on Doc. But if Joe says Doc has to stay, then we pick Doc. Joe makes all I mean, the calls. Think, at the end of the day, whatever Ben re- requests or what other team requests, we need to include Joe and let him make the fucking call because he's the guy on the court that's doing it all and has, and he's our hero. Joe, as much as we love Maury and his stance and as much as we like all these other things, the only thing keeping us together is Joel. So at this point, just let him make the decisions. Yeah, I mean, I also think like, I don't know. I also think an NBA coach is an overrated position. I mean, there's five guys on the floor and talent wins. I mean, Frank Vogel, by all accounts, has always been a really well-respected NBA head coach. Even he can't do anything with this squad that's out there right now. Yeah, that's like the history of coaches for LeBron, though. You know, like. Well, I mean, that's just kind of the NBA. I mean, when it, when is a coach? Maybe that team just sucks. Like, you know, I I agree with you. The NBA coach might be overrated. 
the same way I think the NFL coach is underrated. It should, it's crazy. Like next week, I'm not necessarily counting out the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan is honestly the man. Like if they win, it's going to be because of him. It's not because you mean, you mean Kendall Roy. <laughs> yeah. I mean Kendall Roy. Yeah. He's exactly. coming for his throne. If he stays off the sauce, they might have a chance. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's validity to what you're saying, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, you're not going to get rid of doc to get Ben back because Ben is the worst. Like, like you don't get to be a, uh, you don't get to commit treason and then make demands and then come back and rule the country. It doesn't happen. So, so if they give you Halliburton and three draft picks, you say no? Uh, too much, too much to go over right now. There's, you're going to bring me into a 30 minute if then, but situation. Um, That was my one, that was my one if then. And the reason why, the reason why I bring that one up in particular is because Halliburton. All right. I think I say yes, because I think you Uh, can still accomplish I think you can still accomplish what you want to accomplish in the offseason with three first-round draft picks. Yeah, it, I mean, you do that if you're, you know, the same way. But but if it's just for Ben and knowing that you're going to have to give Halliburton a max, it doesn't really help. Honestly, it might be better to do Ben and Tobias for Halliburton than three first-round picks. And I would be fine with that too. But what I'm saying is if you get Halliburton, it opens up your window this year for a championship because, quite frankly, again, going back – and it's not to take away from Ben's defensive prowess – but if you look at last year, we're a guy making a layup away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? You you could pretty much bet Halliburton's going to give you more on the offensive end of the floor. Now, Danny Green's not as good, but Maxie's better. There's there a lot of variables. people that think like Halliburton's dynamic with Embiid will be very similar to Ben's. Uh, yeah, I don't because Halliburton can shoot the three ball very effectively. And he stretches the floor. And, you know, my I mean, he's a young player. I mean, you, heard, you hear people say that all the time, and it's true. Young point guards need time to develop. But my take is Halliburton and three first-round picks, to me, is fair value for Ben. If you want to go get James Harden this offseason, that's not a less attractive trade package, my opinion. There is a part of me that loves the idea of the Tyrese backcourt, Halliburton, Maxi. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the thing – but one of my point is, is you don't fully quit on this year. You open up your window, and you leave yourself open to next year. Because at a bare minimum – Halliburton Maxi gets you James Harden. And that is like not yeah. really disputed. So where did the three picks come from other than I'm the just, perceived trade? Well, it was the perceived trade. I think they I think that was reported today. It was either two picks or three picks. And to me, I do it for three picks because three first round picks for whatever reason the NBA I have no reason. I don't even yeah, but those know. Those are like, gonna be spread out. That's gonna be this year, next year, and the following. I don't know that it matters. Teams, I don't know why teams care about that, but they because do. Because teams are in win-now mode. Like, a rebuild in the NFL is far different. That you, you think sometimes when you're talking NBA and NFL thoughts, and it does matter because, A, first of all, a first-round pick three years from now in the NBA doesn't mean shit unless you're trusting the process and rebuilding. So for a team to go take somebody for three years from now, B, a first-round pick doesn't really mean shit in the NBA if it's outside of the top 16. Like, who, who's the guy we got last year? Jaden Springer? No, yeah, he's not even playing. Exactly. No, that's kind of my point, though. But but NBA teams, for whatever reason, still value that first round pick. Like, it's still it's it's still uh, not even. as much not as much as they do in the NFL. Not even close. Well, if they're because the thing is in the NBA, there's that. It, it, you know how there's levels in the NFL. It's even wider spread in the NBA. It's haves and have-nots. There is no middle class. Like if you're middle class, you're even worse off than the worst teams because. 
you know, where are you, where are you going to go if you're the Portland Trailblazers? Like you're going nowhere year after year after year, you're going nowhere. So the correct move for them is to literally try to blow it up. And, and that's where I look at like what Maury's doing here. And I think he's like, if I just wait this out a little bit, you know, at some point they're going to make Dame Willard available at some point. I mean, to me, the fairest trade and what I would do if I was him is right off the bat, I would say, Hey, give me SGA. I'll give you Ben. You still have an under 25 type superstar ish point guard. And I give you an extra first round pick, which you guys love. What's the harm there? We win, you win, everybody wins. That's that's te- not a terrible idea. Like, you know, let's just go do that and make that happen. What, but if we go get Damon this offseason, I'll be pissed. Because he's not about to play this second half of the season. So if we're gonna do the Dame deal, let's just go get him now before the deadline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the Dame thing is just so weird to me. Yeah. It's still just so weird to me. I mean, and there are more options in the offseason. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. The other, the other thing, the other way to look at this, I was having a conversation with my buddy, uh, Matty Ice today, who we might have to have on the show at some point here. And he was like, well, what's, he's like, what's the point of saying that you're not going to do it now? Like, why would you, like, why would you just quit on that? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe his thought is if we make it known to the people that we're not going to trade him now, they then open up a little bit and are willing to give up more because they know they have to. Maybe that's a piece of this. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard because I, I go between the lines of who Maury is. I, I wonder sometimes, you know, you hear these rumors of him leaking knowledge and kind of being that petty in the news guy to, to put one thing out there to get another. But then you also hear him in an interview and he sounds like the most rational speaking human of all time. And I honestly think he's just fitting facts like, yo, I don't, you know, I've given you guys a two and a half week heads up. Like, here's what to expect. I'm not playing any games. I'm just, here's the time that I'm on the air. Here's the time you're going to listen to me. I'm just letting you know. So I think there's two sides of it. And I think a Philly fan is very prone to look deep inside of the comments. But part of me just thinks he's shooting us straight and giving us a little bit of a heads up. Yeah. Where are we at on the time check here? We got to go to break. I think it's time to wrap up for this week, um, but I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot to come in terms of uh, in terms of Sixers talk. Obviously, the Eagles talk is winding down on the season, and we got some good football to come up for the rest of the season. But uh, yeah. you know, as as things play out, we'll see what happens with the Eagles. But things are going to heat up with the Sixers, and obviously, if anybody out there is listening and they have feedback on what they want to hear, or if they have questions that they want to hear us talk about, we we are ready and willing, and we would love to hear that. Yeah. Prayers up for uh, the OG Paisano tonight. He took the Flyers money line. Um, so I, I guess go Flyers. That I haven't watched the Flyers since when did they go to the Stanley Cup? It was 2010. 2010. 2010. So that was the yeah. last Flyers game I watched. It broke my heart, man. The 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 overtime goal, Patty Kane. Is that Patty Kane? Yeah, that was Dude, Patty Kane. Remember it like it was today. I was the huge Puck. Flyers fan in 2010. Pucks didn't even look like it went in the net. He was oh, was that, the horn didn't go off. The horn didn't even Nobody, <laughs> Nobody knew that went in the net. It went in that little side yeah. thing. I was at I was at Chickies and Pete, South Philadelphia. I wanted to uh, cry my eyes out. So here's the word: your boy was locked in on that game. The next game I'm locked in on is tonight against Dallas, and the, I got yeah, okay. I got Flyers money line. And my logic behind that: you said I, I I texted Dave earlier. I said, Dave, I got Flyers money line. He goes, you know they're on an 11 game skid, right? I said that's why I made the bet. What team in the world loses 12 games in a row? <laughs> The only team in the world that would lose 10 in a row twice in a 40-game stretch is the yeah. team that would lose 12 in a row. 
We'll see. Go, oh. go fly, guys. I can't tell you two Listen, players, go, team, but let's go. Yeah, go fly. They still got Giroux. You still got Giroux. Okay. Do you, you, you got Vortex? Nah, Vortex going. You got Carter Hart in your bag, though, probably, right? All right, Carter Hart for sure. And uh, and Hart obviously, uh, Roman Czechmana. So we got him. Roman <laughs> Czechmana. Robert Ash still on the squad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John LeClaire. Donald, Donald Brush here. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Filter. Yeah. You have no clue. Nope. All right. Well, it's been fun. Uh, great, great conversation as always. Um, and yeah, this thing, this thing's getting rolling. So let us know your feedback. We got a couple, uh, couple fans putting in their their input here on the pod. We love to hear it. Whether you're coming at us, whether you think it's great, we just want to get better, man. Um, it's what we want to do. We're going to keep making this an enjoyable alternative for you guys to listen to week in, week out. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to growing it a little bit. So be patient with us and uh, keep giving us your feedback. All right, Davey. Love you, brother. Trust the process. Trust the process.